Interjections podcast. I'm Corey Taylor. That's Tristan Moore. Next to him, Jimmy Aaron. Next to him, Jeff Sesselberg. Definitely good for the audio. Uh, we are uh, a podcast that takes a look back at the 1990s, and we're taking it month by month. And so this is being our fourth episode, April 1990s. So we have a double dose of films because uh, one is a little popular, one is a little bit of a hidden gem, and uh, we wanted to try to see what we thought of both of them. So first one we're going to talk about is uh, Cry Baby. Uh, this is the John Waters, uh, probably the most popular film that he made, the most accessible to a, a regular audience because he's a little bit of a divisive director. Uh, but it stars Johnny Depp as kind of a... Uh, what would you call those? Greaser. Guys? A greaser, yeah. yeah greaser. I lost the word for a second. Uh, a greaser who is with a bunch of people that are all uh, in his clan, and he kind of likes, uh, what would you call the, the plain people, the squares? I guess oh, squares. Yeah, that's yeah. literally what they're called. And yeah, for the, the record, yeah, they're, 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 they be the yeah. socias, but yeah. like, yeah, the squares. They call like, themselves uh, squares. Boy, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the greasers in this are called drapes. Yeah, Right. true. Yeah, yeah they're the drapes versus the... Uh, squares yeah so. so then it's basically that's your basic plot he's in love with a square so how do they all react it's like a romeo and juliet yeah it's it's romeo and juliet on whippets <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's not oh, nearly oh, as oh, scatological it, as it, other john waters movies no it, it, okay it, better yet it's more like grease if it was raunchy right yeah, not I mean, as not raunchy as you would yeah, think. Not that raunchy, but like you know, grease just a little it bit was, more raunchiness. It it definitely like from the get go, it it you can feel the uh, the grease send up, like not only just with the the material and everything, like they're, um, you know, the the classic like teen action, um, like James, James Dean type uh, movie. But it was also just every everyone is a parody of themselves, um, and also these people are clearly not in high school, <laughs> right? They're just all like Greece. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely a send up of Greece because they start off with the music. Not only are they in bands, like there's a talent contest, and the drapes have a band, but they also just happen to sing. Like they're trying to get inoculations, which was very appropriate for the time we're living in uh just to get a vaccine because there was a flu back in the 50s as well um but they're just singing in the chairs as they get the vaccine and uh then they're singing down the street later they're singing while they're driving so it's not just because they're talented but it's a little bit footloose a little bit grease but it's also john waters take on it yeah you know what like i found out about this this is probably one of his most conservative movies there's yeah. even a part towards the beginning when um wade Played by uh, Johnny Depp says, "Hey, I don't drink and drive, man." Which we'll like, get into. It's really in puritanical. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, so, who's in this movie, Tristan? Speaking uh, of which, well, so this is actually the biggest thing that I wanted to come up with. Um, you know how I always try to tie it together to something that's relevant right now. Uh, so, Johnny Depp is the star. He's crybaby. But his love interest is played by Amy Locaine, who just two weeks ago was recharged for a drunk driving manslaughter case. 
that happened down the street in between Jeff and I, where we live in New Jersey. So she's been on Melrose Place after that and a couple of other things. And she was hoping to try and turn her career around because she spent a little time in jail for this. And she's cleaned up and everything. But apparently it reoccurred. Not that she drank again, but like they decided to give her the rest of her sentence. But she had gotten out on good time. and Messy case. But yeah. There was like and relevant right now. So. Right, it was everything came full circle, which is and funny. it's ironic as Johnny Depp said, uh, "I don't drink and drive." Looking right at her, I looked at Jimmy and I'm like, "Oh, I have the thing," and I had to wait like a month to tell you why. Oh God, is Halle Berry wow. in the back seat? Yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, I feel terrible. Obviously, someone died. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> yeah because it was like a fatal drunk driving accident that yeah. got her in jail well she was in jail the first time and then they re-sentenced yeah. her to like two yeah, weeks it was ago. like she, she got because out they decided that her sentence was too lenient yeah and i'm like well yeah wait so like she got out and they were like no no, no you got to go back in she was doing um it was two after she got out of jail and i don't i didn't read the new case i just saw the headline but i don't know sentence to 10 years again so oh wow so she's uh but 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let me see. I'll just Google. She was in a movie called Cry Baby. Yeah. But um, yeah, apparently the Melrose Place thinks she was like also 10 years removed from the rest of the cast. So like. Yeah, she's older than all of them? Or younger? I think she was younger. Like Melrose Place was on in what, early 90s, late 90s? She was yeah. like, a, a, she was a decade younger than the rest of the cast. So. Mm-hmm. She was like just doing what she could, but I don't know. She yeah. was good in this movie. Uh, How do we think of this singing? Well, we know Johnny can sing. Was that actually dubbed though? Because it, it was dubbed. Johnny Johnny wasn't wasn't singing during the singing. Yeah, but what it was later. Uh, I don't believe so because every time, um. You know, according to the the credits, there was there was a different guy that did the voice when he was singing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. Let's look at that. I mean, the fact that they looked like they were lip sync was yeah. appropriate to Paradise. Oh yeah. Um, but it's kind of ironic that he ends up forming his own band. He's like friends with all these rock stars. You know, yeah. he probably he, could have done this. Yeah, he can he can sing, he does sing, but I don't know if he would sing like Elvis type. You know, that's that's got a certain kind of voice that I don't know. And then having people like Ricky Lake and Iggy Pop be yeah. grapes, they could and, sing, we know that. Yeah. Porn star Tracy Lords. Yeah. Yeah, what a, <laughs> maybe, maybe it's just easier to have somebody else sing it and then have him lip sync to it so and not have to like do I mean, it later. That is then, like, what they yeah. do. And if they were like actually singing on set and like if there was a screw up, that's a lot of retakes. Yeah. yeah. Well there's there's a there's a way they do that, but as far as like the actual recording, I don't know if it was him. Yeah. Um yeah, but, that is typical, but Yeah. Les Miserables was one of the few that actually had like they had mics on as they were, so they could get it as live as possible, but that's really the only one back in 2012. So back in 90 in the before times. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
So, yeah. But I mean, what a what a cast of miscreants in this movie. Yeah. Like I, that's one of my. <clears throat> I mean, one of the reasons I love John Waters is he just has all these. Um, you know, you were talking about it being the more accessible of his movies because this was his first major studio one. This was after Hairspray, mm-hmm. which had, you know, way before they made the musical out of that. Like it was a success in its own right. And I think that one only cost like two and a half million dollars. And he somehow convinced people to be like, look, I made Hairspray and they gave yeah. him $12 million to make Crybaby, which is yeah. why they and he, you know, always likes to cast the, um, what's the, the word I'm looking for? Not unorthodox, but like non-conventional. Yeah. I mean, you could say both. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Hatchet Face is one of his uh, oddities, I'd say. <clears throat> but Hatchet Face and, you know, Tracy Lords and... And then Kim McGuire. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Yeah, because she was actually going through some stuff at the time, too. Yeah. There's a lot of a lot of drama. I don't know if we um, want to get into that. or The one thing, well, what was it? Because I don't know if I actually saw this. Uh, well, Tracy was being investigated by the FBI during yeah. production. Okay, I thought you were talking about Kim. But yeah, Tracy, oh. Tracy knew about. Yeah. And then, so to make everyone else, like, to make her feel better... She was like twenty one at the time or something. Right. But and like she had been doing softcore porn uh when she was seventeen for sure. And so they were trying to investigate her, right? Right. Um, but then just to make her feel better, the rest of the cast was just like regaling her with tales of when they had run ins with the police. They're like, You're you're not the first. It's okay. You're good. <laughs> but they came to set trying yeah, to find her right and the rest of the cast like hid her and said no she's not here today and tried to take the heat off and that's kind of interesting uh, yeah. she ended up having a successful career in film after that at least for someone that was coming from the porn world so it led the way for people like uh what's her name that was in the sasha gray film. yeah sasha gray though we thought she was going to do more stuff in mainstream film and she just did that and but there are yeah. more and more people that are kind of crossing over. So. Yeah, but. Uh, who else was? So there? she played Wanda. She played one of one of the drapes. Yeah. So we also had. Um, well, I mentioned Ricky Lake, who had been his star in Hairspray. That plays. Is it his sister or no? It was the she, other guy's sister. She plays. No, she plays Crybaby's sister. That was yeah. Crybaby's sister. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure. Oh, yeah. It says Pepper Walker and Milton Hackett. Yeah. Milton Hackett is the other guy who's dating Tracy Lloyds. This is a guy named Darren Burroughs. I don't yeah. really know from anything else. Milton's so, the, yeah. the squares. Uh, then uh, in the squares, there's uh, Stephen Mailer. I don't know what else he's been in. I looked at him and I didn't recognize any of the films he'd been in. But he seemed like a uh, Josh Charles type, kind of like the guy in uh, Hairspray. Yeah. Uh, it kind of fits. I like how the acting in the movie kind of walks that fine line between paying homage and being spoof. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's very mannered in the movie. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, that um, was... 
Oh, God. No, I mean, that was one of my favorite parts was it was just, like, stylized like that. Like, you know that this is just a send-up of, like, Reefer Madness era right? Uh, things. But then he also has no problem, like, dropping F-bombs. <laughs> yeah, not in this one, though. Yeah, I don't yeah. think they ever have. Oh wait, movie. no, that was that was confusing with the other movie, but yeah. um. Oh, Miami Blues, yeah. Yeah. The next one we're talking about. <laughs> but. Yeah, that is a different director. He is. He does. Uh, this one is surprisingly wholesome for a uh, John Waters movie. Yeah, there's no shit eating. Uh, oh, I, I'm sure he was like tied to a chair involving that too. I'm sure he was because there were there were points. Like the French kissing scene, where I'm like, "This is oh. really John Waters." <laughs> it's so disgusting. I'm sure he wanted to do something in the prison scene. Yeah, uh, with all the boys hanging around, you know. He's like Willem trying Defoe to do. Oh, okay. He had to... Willem Dafoe is one of the biggest cameos in the film. Uh, For a whole sure... minute. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure yeah. he has a wonderful speech, but um, I'm I'm sure it was kind of like they had just done Platoon together, Johnny and Willem Dafoe. No, so, right. I'm sure there was something that got him to come down and just messed with him, you know? It kind of looks like John Waters let him go and just improv. Yeah, just, yeah, just go, 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 just, you feel. Just fuck with Johnny. Yeah. yeah. Just fuck, fuck, fuck with Johnny and pray for things that happened in the 1950s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple other ones. I don't know if you guys uh, recognize this, um, but there's Troy Donahue and Mink Stoll, their 50s. Uh, symbols and they stole in a lot of John Waters movies. She's part of that touring company. Okay. Um, Joey Heatherton, though, wasn't. Weren't, weren't they uh, 50s icons? Joey Heatherton and Troy Donahue? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And then here's the weirdest one um, Patty uh, Hurst. Yeah, Patty Hurst is the mother of uh, what's her name? Amy Locaine's character, uh, Allison. So. Lebanese Liberation Army. Yeah, this is what she did after that whole um, Patty Hearst kidnapping. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. brainwashing. Yeah, this is the most John Waters thing to get Patty Hearst to be in like a '50s teen comedy. So, you know, she's in a lot of his subsequent movies too. Really? She's in Serial Mom. Mm-hmm. I think she's in Cecil B. Demented. Okay. Yeah. I've really only seen Pink Flamingos and uh, and this now. I haven't even seen Hairspray, actually. Oh, yeah. I've seen the remake. I think I have it at some point. The, you know, it's it's good. Yeah. I mean, I've it's seen a lot more. Yeah. Stage, so I, I know the plot. Yeah. Well, this was a turned different. into a Broadway musical as well. It was that lasted for 68 performances and still yeah. how, somehow cleaned up a bunch of really? awards. Yeah. Huh. What was, awards did it get? Uh, hang on. Yeah. Let's talk I about something that, else while I look this up. Yeah, the movie, the movie didn't get anything. And actually, mm. for box office, it only made about like three million in its yeah. first week, and it, it didn't really make a lot overall. So it didn't. Well, if you look at the competition from last month, they didn't have yeah. a chance. Yeah, I mean, you, like we mentioned in last month, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Pretty Woman, and Hunt for Red October were still in the top ten, cleaning house. Right. For the rest um, of the month. It's basically the top two are just switching places. So it was nominated for the Tonys in two thousand eight for best musical, best book of a musical, best original score, and best choreography. And it was nominated for 
Best Choreography for Drama Desk. Uh, hmm. It won the Drama Desk Award for Best Choreography. Yeah. For Outstanding Choreography, which uh, is believable considering like the, the dance numbers that made this movie were you know, some of the best parts. Yeah, I liked all the musical numbers. I mean, I I, yeah. I know, Jimmy, you're not a fan of musicals, but... No, I'm not a big fan. It wasn't was favorite... the worst musical. What was your what? favorite number? Oh, jeez. Uh, <laughs> Describe <laughs> what was happening during the song <laughs> you remember liking. Uh, me zoning out. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, when, when, when musical num- like when musical numbers happen, I just start to tune it out because I'm like, okay, this is just. Well, what was just, what was your favorite part of it? It's movie? too much like your own reality. Oh, the favorite part of the movie is like, oh, I don't know, like uh. You don't know how many times we have to edit the podcast when he breaks in the song. That's true. Yeah. It's a <laughs> yeah. No. Um. I guess uh, my favorite part of the movie is I guess it's the climax. I mean, like everything, everything's going it's down. Funny, yeah. It's just like it was like it's like it's like all right, everything's coming to a head. Right. So like yeah, I guess. Yeah. Well, which yeah. climax? The climax. Because there's like a lot of things going on in this movie. <laughs> a lot of and things. It, it ends on a climax. It's messy. <laughs> like there's a chicken scene, and then. It's not like the chicken scene in Pink Flamingos, though. No, that's true. Hold these goddamn chickens! When they're playing chicken at the very end, there's a song going on. So there's there's no chicken scene. They're just playing chicken. They're they're playing chicken, yes. Like I said, it's not like American Graffiti. And then it took a second, I'm like... I did forget the race. Yeah. Because I was thinking of them on stage and him uh, showing up with all his prison buddies. So... Well, the jailhouse scenes are funny. I like, uh, I like, those. I like the jailhouse scenes. Yeah, that uh, is my favorite part. Yeah. And that's a straight-up send-up of uh, jailhouse rock. Right. Yeah. Because he even has, like, the curly hair like Elvis. Right. So. This this whole thing just feels like if, if Romeo and Juliet, like, took a puff of a joint at the same <laughs> time and while listening to jailhouse rock. Yeah. And this is what the fever dream that came out of that. <laughs> Yeah, see, you always have a good way to describe this. That's good, yeah. Um, but... Yeah, what do, we, what do we all really think of it? I mean, like, I don't know if you have final thoughts. I don't know if there was any other uh, trivia to give or anything. Yeah, trivia, I mean, I actually, there was. Hang on. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Depp didn't want to dance. Really? There was... A, yeah, they, he didn't want to dance because he hates dancing, but John Waters... In typical John Waters fashion, was just like, no, can, can you just do just just for this? Just a little bit. That, um, we're not even gonna film it. We're not even gonna film it. Right. Speaking of not gonna film it, uh, <laughs> there was also a bit where like one of I think it was the 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 party scene, like right before the Proud Boys showed up. But like, um, yeah. it was it was very. There were some weird parallels. Right, uh, baby, told me stand watching by this, watching that. Movie. Um, but anyway, at, I think it was at the party scene they had filmed with a contortionist, like a, a oh, young right. kid or something who was just a professional contortionist. Like they just wanted weird things happening. They yeah. filmed it. They cut that scene. They didn't tell her. Yeah. <laughs> and so she shows up at the premiere. Expecting to see her, her five minutes of fame and then her whole family <laughs> and then wasn't there. Sorry, like buddy. that sucks. 
That happens a lot more than people realize. Think like Adrian Brody and Thin Red Line. Yeah. Yeah. But like, imagine doing something because that's ridiculous. You know, you you normally wouldn't be in movies. Yeah. And so, like, this was your opportunity, and then they cut it at the last minute. Um, but other than that, I mean, we went over the other trivia stuff. So it was like the musical and uh, Amy Locaine's yeah. ironic record. Yeah, I checked that out. It's that she had originally been given three years, um, but then she served that, and now she's been out for about three to five, I think. Because the incident was intent. It took a little while to get her in jail because, you know, trials work and uh so she's i think she's been out for three and now they're saying you needed more i don't know if that three will apply to the 10 they've now given her because this just happened so they're going to sift that out and of course she could get off for good behavior which she'd already been doing so like she has not relapsed she had been doing community service after getting out of jail she's trying to get her life back together so it's kind of a weird speed bump because the family wanted more justice well, I hope she, you know, I don't know if she does. I hope, right I hope things. Does that mean they have to Poor choice, my friend. We did. That's the thing. I don't know why this happened. Wait, isn't that, isn't that, that's illegal, right? I don't know. Ask Ashley Judd. I don't know. I don't think we're Double tracking a case here, but. Yeah, this is, this is not a true crime podcast. Yeah. Good, yeah. yeah. I, already, I already knocked it off my phone. We'll look it up later. <laughs> yeah, we'll, you know, I, I hope I hope she gets her shit together because yeah. she Google. seems like a lovely person and right. It's terrible. Well, she's so. get back to normal, and of course, then COVID. Um, but yeah. So, what are our Real final quick, thoughts on this? Final thoughts. I love it. Yeah. I mean, I I I love the. It's it's easier for me to watch uh parody movies of things like this like when especially when they go so over the top like the orphanage scene where it's literally just like they're walking like through a pet shop mm-hmm. yeah. um and you know that they leave and the kids are driving mm-hmm. <laughs> um it's a little goofy but it is it's goofy it's it's fun the the music is is okay the acting is supposed to be over the top so it was it was enjoyable um yeah. I, i'd probably give it we still doing numbers here letters here what do we yeah letters. yeah I, i'd give it give it a you know solid a minus which way is he going um i i like it uh i don't think i liked it as much as i wanted to uh, but i love johnny depp as an actor and this is like right as he was about to be like that underrated star with Benny and June and everything so I can see his star about to shine and everything um, so I enjoyed him I enjoyed his chemistry with Amy LeCain I wish she had done other things so um, but I like that they're paradising the stuff I like like Grease and Footloose and stuff like that um, it does get a little weird, so it's not going to be like my favorite film of these kind of things. So I'd probably give it like a B. It has at least the 
potential to be watched once, you know? People that like this kind of genre will like it. Or like John Waters movies. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is even Definitely. What do you think, Jimmy? Um, I'd give it a B plus. I mean, oh, you liked it more than me? Yeah, I mean, uh, wait, didn't you give it an A minus? I gave it a B. That was oh, a you gave it a B. Yeah, yeah. no, no. Yeah. Oh, I zoned out. But no, I give it a B plus. It was a pretty good movie. Uh, I'm not too keen on uh, musicals like we already established, but like seeing it, I, I enjoyed it. It was good. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I would give it a B uh, as a uh, as a studio compromise movie. It's as good as you're going to get from a John Waters movie, who's normally pretty scurrilous. Um, it's defanged, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. I think he found like a good way to work within the Hollywood system. Uh, like everybody said, the music's infectious. Um, Johnny Depp is, is good, but he's not as bohemian and idiosyncratic as he got in his other movies, where he's clearly trying to play like somebody eccentric. So I think he's a good lead for this. I think he grounds everything, surprisingly. Everybody else is a little, like we said, kind of mannered and uh, over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, if you're a fan of, like, jukebox musicals, you'll be a huge fan of this. Cool. Yeah. Why don't you uh, – well, actually, do you want to introduce this one? Oh, this no, no, no. I, I'm, not, I'm not an introducer. I'm, it, a, I'm an interjector. Is it because <laughs> – been months since we watched it, yeah, no, and we no. don't remember this enough. No, I remember well, I <laughs> most of it, but like you know, I'll interject as. Uh, we so watch. our other film that we watched for the month, two weeks later, came a film that was a bit of a cop thriller chase movie, uh, mm. kind of. Third comedy. <clears throat> kind of comedy, yeah. Uh, called Miami Blues. Uh, Alec Baldwin shows up in Miami and just kind of wreaks havoc on this one uh, detective's life. Uh, and the people around him, he just starts living with a hooker he picks up uh, and decides to take his detective rival, sort of, uh, his badge and pretend to be that detective and start like pretending he's coming up to help you and then he robs you himself. And Or he uh, robs the robbers. <laughs> right. Yeah. right he, robbers. he goes into a bit of a uh, right. like semi, like vigilante, semi uh, uh, Robin Hood-esque type person I except mean, except, doesn't, except he, he doesn't give money back stuff. to the poor he just kind of <laughs> keeps it for himself he yeah. lets everyone else do the heavy lifting and break right. the windows and he just takes the loot he's the yeah. definition of chaotic evil <laughs> so, or chaotic neutral he, he, he became, doesn't like, care what happens I yeah guess. i don't know i think he can go <laughs> yeah he sucker punches that harry christian I mean, guy it, in the beginning well, he he, he breaks uh, his finger. He chaotic, true. Not, well, okay. If he was playing chaotic evil, he would have been like uh, the kind of guy that would just deliberately go out to do things just for the sake of evil, just doing it because it's sure. disrupting things. It was it was yeah. It was basically as a guy trying to survive in a world he doesn't quite fit into. All I'm gonna say is it's <laughs> a good thing Rick Moranis wasn't in that airport. Oh no! <laughs> it was witnessing Alec Baldwin becoming Alec Baldwin, though. Yeah, because he had done like Beetlejuice before. More like Daniel Baldwin. Oh. <laughs> One of those Baldwin. How many Baldwins are there? I don't even know. Four that I know of. Four that we know of. Yeah. There could be more. I think there's three actors, and one of them, there's a fourth brother that didn't become an actor. And Zeppo. then there's Adam Baldwin, who isn't related. There's Zeppo and Chico and. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> William's the best one. Hot take. <laughs> there's Sean and Marlon. 
Um, <laughs> yeah. I think Jimmy was a huge fan of this movie. I want. Jimmy oh yeah, to... no, this movie caught me completely off guard because, like, I legitimately thought it was gonna be like a cop drama, like, uh, based on like uh, what little I knew. I thought Alec Baldwin was like maybe some slick uh, cop or detective that came into Miami and is gonna help. Yeah. Uh, we didn't realize the poster is I misleading. Thought, I, thought he, I thought he was the protagonist, not the antagonist. Yeah. yeah. So that completely flipped on me, and because uh, like it sets you up a little bit, like when he c- comes to the airport, it's like he's like, "I am trouble," and breaks the uh, the Harry Kirshner's neck well, by punching him. Well, he broke like he broke, oh, broke his finger and he went broke his shock. finger. Yeah, he yeah. broke his. He killed him by breaking his finger. Yeah, and he went into shock. And that's what that's what sends off the whole like, investigation. I, I, I got the yeah. sense that maybe he was like maybe a okay maybe he's not a cop but like maybe he's a bad cop. Who right. knows? Yeah, he's corrupt uh, or something. He's just or or, or or he's just an edgy cop that will break anybody's fingers that gets in his way. Yeah, and I honestly, I honestly thought it, he didn't think he had killed the guy. Yeah, and he's just but like. Is sunk in real quick when things are like, okay, maybe he's not the protagonist. Yeah, when he's messing around yeah. with Jennifer Jason Lee, who plays this hooker, right. uh, and he's like and, saying how weird life can be. It's and, just, okay, so he's just off his rocker. Yeah, bit. but like, uh, it's neat that like, uh, really the, uh, because the way it is advertised, like if you look at the poster, like you see Alec Baldwin, he's he, holding he, a badge. Like I didn't yeah. realize the, uh, the the real main character, the detective played by uh, from Fred Ward. By Fred Ward. Ward. Uh, <laughs> like when he showed up, I'm like, oh, he's in this movie. And then like again, took a while to sink in. I was like, oh no, he's the he's the main character. It's really it's really all three of them: the, uh, the detective, right. the hooker, and uh, the troublemaker. Right. 1990 was really the year of Fred Ward. Main characters, but like the one that you really want to root for. Is probably the uh, detective because he's getting want he, to because because like he's getting shit on a little bit. You uh, could root for any of the three. Of yeah, us. you like, could. Which really. one's your favorite? You know, but, do you want to uh, see Alec wreak havoc? Do you want to see Jennifer Jason Lee escape from yeah. this? Because there's a bit of like yeah. where Fred Ward's like, I'm giving you a chance to help save yourself. Yeah, but it's real, movie. real neat because like uh, as the movie's going on, it's dawning on me like this: this isn't a cop movie; it's a western. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. Like, the the ending is very much a standoff. Like, he essentially comes in to be the new sheriff in town, but mm-hmm. like he's a bad sheriff. And so the old sheriff who wanted to retire, sort of. Yeah, has to come of, back in and take his badge back. Like, he yeah. steals the marshal's badge. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like yeah. it just there's a hooker who doesn't want to be a hooker anymore. Thinks yeah. she's getting getting clean. You know. Yeah. Right. And then like it's very yeah. uh, it's very Shakespearean at the end, which yeah. I enjoy. It was all. It was uh, like physical too. It all made sense, which could yeah. it could have gotten off the rails, you know. It was like risky business meets Miami Vice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, cause he, cause he was definitely like a kid in a candy store when he got that badge. Like yeah, everything, it was bad. it was very much like it was it was a very silly spree, right up until he actually started killing people. Were like, oh. Yeah, Oh, oh yeah. this was this was all just like was a good idea. Yeah, yeah it, it was like he was just taking TVs from people, and like someone mugged a lady, and he took the purse and ran. Um, and then it escalated really quickly. I'm like, oh, this yeah. guy, wow, all right. Yeah, I like his performance in the insofar as his character is trying to either balance domesticity with the uh, Jennifer Jason Lee character or being gleefully sadistic uh, and nihilistic and just doing whatever he wants, causing See, I, all types of mischief. 
I never saw the actual like genuinely balancing domesticity. Like that whole relationship mm-hmm. seemed just abusive to me. And maybe oh, it's yeah. just watching it, it watching it through. Right, but it. Oh, you know, gone. No, I, I'm like, I know it, it's probably supposed to be, but like, then you're supposed to feel for Jennifer Jason Lee's character. And, you know, I don't, I, I did not take uh, Alec Baldwin's attempt at domesticity and any like sort of sincerity in that. <laughs> I was waiting for him to snap at some point. Right, exactly. Right. I mean, it all could have been a facade for her. And it all could have been a facade for her, and he's manipulating her uh, naivete for his own gain. But um, in any other movie, like like Jimmy said, he would have been the protagonist, but in this, he's clearly like the anti-hero. So the whole time you're not – I actually kind of like that you're not quite sure what's going on in his head. Right, yeah. Because there would be, at the end, in a traditional – conventional Hollywood movie there to be redemption arc there's none of that yeah. in this or an explanation at the very least like Fred Ward sort of finds out oh he's using a different name already so he's just used to playing people and being a con man so this is yeah. just his forte and yeah this that's is all not, the explanation yeah. we get like he's he knows that a person died in his home his last known location LA did he kill her yeah. did she just die was she even real you know, like we don't really know what happened there. We never find out. Which Wait, is refreshing. kill her. The person, the, not the person he was being. The per, there's oh. like another person in that report. Oh, okay. My That's my cool. favorite scene in the whole movie is when he invites Fred Ward for dinner. Yeah, that I was oh, yeah. gonna say that. Yeah, that's the best scene. Yeah, which is the scene that like sets off okay. all of the the whole thing. And you know he kind of knows something's up already because yeah. maybe he knows Jennifer Jason Lee from that hotel already because she usually cooks in that hotel um, that Alec Baldwin first stays at. And so when they're finally in her apartment, it, it's her apartment, right? Where the yeah, it's her apartment. Yeah. yeah. Then then he like is playing cat and mouse. He's like, could be anybody. So I don't want to just assume, but this guy just smells like trouble, and he doesn't spell it out for us. Once again, with the Fred Ward character, he could have been a laughing stock because he's got false teeth. He's he's got widow's peak. He's balding. He's got a recessive hairline, but he still has good detective instincts. Where he's like, you're hunched over your plate, kind of like you've done some time. Yeah, like he has, yeah, he has good hunches too. about people. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. was just like a, a, a quirk. I think that it lends itself to be memorable more than anything, rather than a crutch that's like a joke. Yeah. Well, this is based on a series of books that revolve around the Fred Ward character. And I guess if this had been successful, this would have spawned like a whole series of movies. Yeah, it was not successful. Oh, wow. That's <clears throat> yeah, yeah. unfortunate. After uh, Cry Baby, it made the same amount first weekend. And they oh, wow. third and eighth. And they both made like 11 million total. As we go through the 90s, yeah. we will see attempts at Alec Baldwin to be a leading man. Yeah. And it will backfire financially every time, unfortunately. Yeah, he, he doesn't well, really I mean, it. He hedged his bets on Hunt for Red October and then never really made it until 30 Rock. So that's the whole decade. Really? Alec, although Alec Baldwin impersonating Scarface is probably like peak, you know, <laughs> yeah. transition from 80s into 90s. That was, that was a weird 
he's moment. he's a good actor and he's always appearing in stuff. And it was just that he was a bigger tabloid star. He was a bigger celebrity than he was bigger than an actor in the nineties. Right. Yeah. He's I mean, better as a character actor, supporting actor. Right. Yeah. He, he wasn't bad, and I feel like the whole this movie just felt like unbalanced because you know it it if we're going off of the books that it was based on, it is like going around like Fred Ward's character. Um and Fred Ward was a producer on this. Fred Ward's gonna be Fred Ward. And that was kind of like and so he he's got this sort of like kind uh you know seeing some shit but still still kind to the suspect type uh you know grandfatherly like well almost you know who he was originally to play he was they wanted him to be the Alec Baldwin character and they were actually right. Gene Hackman be the detective hmm. yeah the teeth and everything would have reminded me too funny. much of Popeye Doyle it, yeah exactly and it would have combined the two months we did tremors and uh I don't know if that would have right. worked tonally. I don't know if that would have I mean worked. it didn't work now tonally. Right. <laughs> I disagree. I'm with Jimmy on this. I love this. Okay. Movie. All right. Yeah, this is great. So sorry, Jeff. Oh, no, that's fine. I was you know that, that scene where, where Fred Ward like falls asleep in front of the TV? Yeah. It was me the first time I tried to watch this movie. Yeah. It was it was it was tough. It wasn't bad. It was just like I, I. It's quiet. It's it's a quiet movie, and it's very like. It it doesn't feel like a steady progression. It's just sort of all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe that was trying to go along with with Alec Baldwin's character of of yeah you know this it's kinda, renegade, uh, yeah. but. <laughs> Well, the director. I kind of like how it didn't try to be madcap the whole time. It was kind of, I don't want to say, I guess, yeah, unpredictable in a way, kind of capricious, like he is, very fickle. It'll go from one incident to the next. I guess it's trying to get you into the pathology of Freddie's character. Well, that's sort of George Armitage, the director, is kind of forte. He uh, he doesn't really go the traditional. Rose Point Blank, of, by the way, which is one of the best movies of the '90s that we'll talk about at some yeah. point. Yeah, and it, it kind of flips the, the hitman genre on its head. So he's always trying to, like, tweak storytelling in a way that is more effective than usual. And I think he hits it here. But that could lend itself to be a little droll if you're, you know, watching this late at night or something. So Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. We're trying to win you over, Jeff. Yeah. No, you don't have to win me over. I just, you know. Um. But what else did I write down here? So a couple other actors in this. There's Nora Dunn in an early role where she uh, she's an informant for Fred Ward's character, uh, sort of a little bit of a love interest, but not really. They don't really go into it. They flirt a bit, but like in a, another traditional cop movie, they would probably, you know, actually get together at the end. But they're just, you know, buddies. Uh, and another friend of his, Charles Napier, uh, will pop in from time to time. He's the sergeant that brings him in on the Harry Krishna case. Uh, he he'll pop in and be like, "Did you lose your? T- did you find your teeth yet?" Because uh, Alec Baldwin steals his teeth as well, just to rub it in his face that he got his badge. Um, so it was very funny. I liked Charles Napier a lot. He's um, great in everything. Whenever he pops up, yeah. And it He's was one of those James Rebhorn kind of guys that just yeah. Pops up. Oh, that guy. You know yeah, that guy. Yeah. 
Um, my favorite moment with him is when they're like above the dead body of the Harry Christian, just laughing about uh, crime in general. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, crime. You know, that's when you know because you're not sure exactly what Alec Baldwin's up to. And you see, this is the introduction of Fred Warden. He's kind of lackadaisical. And Charles Napier is just like, another day in paradise, right? And you're like, oh, okay, this is going to be a little wry. Okay. So, <laughs> I appreciate his character for that. I saw, interestingly enough, they were going to get uh, Jonathan Demme to direct this, That's which would have felt kind of like um, him coming off of uh, Married to the Mob. Mm. It's kind of similar and also had Alec Baldwin mm-hmm. in a similar kind of role. But uh, actually, that movie is very screwball and slapsy, and I can't stand that movie. Yeah, I wonder if he would have made this too lean, too heavy in a comedy. Yeah. Because then the next thing he does instead is Silence of the Lambs, right? Right. So, yeah, he also might not have ended up being able to direct that. Sure. His timeline was. So. Uh, but yeah, I think George Armitage is good. He really hasn't done anything else but this in Gross Point Blank. Uh, he did the big bounce, which yeah. was not very good. Yeah. He did something before this. There was like an early film that he worked with the, uh, what's his name? The uh, Little Shop of Horrors dude. Um, Roger Corman? Yeah, he, he worked with he was one of the Roger Corman guys. Oh, he did a uh, he did Vigilante Force, which actually I've seen, yeah. which is uh, Chris Christopherson and J. Michael Vincent. Um, not very good. Yeah, but he cut his teeth on that, and that results in this, even though it's ten years later. Right. Um, um, speaking of cutting teeth. <laughs> yeah. That was actually one of my my favorite line of the entire movie is is Fred Ward's last last bit. Oh. Yeah. Hey, you look different. Yeah, I got my teeth back. <laughs> and that's He's great in this. I I wish I he thought he was great. Going. He's good in this in Tremors and like we're discovering Fred Ward this year. Right. Yeah. It's the, the year of Fred Ward. And that's why like Fred- it was, he he was great, but I feel like a lot of it was based around his character and that's why it kind of it didn't feel right. <laughs> but I don't know, this is me. I don't know. Fred, Fred Ward's had the kind of career that almost Alec Baldwin's kind of had because they've tried to give him leading roles. Like before all, before Tremors and this was Remo Williams mm-hmm. was supposed to start a franchise and they've been talking about rebooting that for a long time, but that didn't go anywhere. There's yeah. been a, the right stuff he was in. Didn't oh, take true. off. Well, we saw that this year. That's why I kind of think it's the year of Fred Ward for us. Yeah. So um, it's the year of Fred Ward. It's the year of hookers with hearts of gold. It's sewers. It's like yeah, it's su- sewers. Rule. Yeah, just it's two like guys a, just in a bad situation. Two, two good guys trying to make the best of a bad situation. Boy, they weren't good guys in this. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. <laughs> uh, so I love this movie. I'd give this an A plus for sure. Right. Sorry, Jeff. <laughs> What whatever don't apologize. I, I'm gonna talk you uh, uh, like talk you out and be like A plus plus. I don't think that oh A plus plus. No, everybody gets one. You get an A plus plus. Because you know, this is your only one you're allowed in 1990. <laughs> All right, okay, I can wait a year. Wow. Or wait till you forget that you said that. I never forget anything. Yeah. Um, I would probably give this an A minus for sure. Definitely. Uh. It's a very delightfully off-kilter black comedy. I, I categorize it as a black comedy because, mm-hmm. yeah, it does have moments of 
not solemn drama, but it does have dramatic underpinnings, but it that's doesn't last been, for long. That, well, that's but, why um, I think it's a perfect Western, because it kind of does get dark. Yeah, it does have some ambiguity, and there's the characters, I think, are given more dimension than they normally would have, and you're not really given... Um, I don't want too much of a psychological insight into all these characters. I, I'd rather be kind of uh, a mystery as to what's going on within their heads. So that's, I, I like that most about the movie. Yeah. I was going to give it a C. It's fine. But, yeah, you can. Well, no, but the thing was, and then I'm thinking about what Jimmy said, because I hadn't, I hadn't looked at it from the, the point of view that it was more of a Western. And in that, you know, I'll he's a black hat. Like, yeah, slightly better. Go to B minus. See, sometimes yeah, this is what's great about talking about these movies with friends is sometimes your your position either gets uh, ameliorated or it worsens depending on the opinions of the other people. Yeah, yeah. yeah not Peer that you have to agree with us, but like maybe we hype you up. Yeah. Or we you, hear like, a you, get, you get a yeah, different perspective, and you're right, like, well, was... you know, under that light, then yeah, no, that checks out. Yeah. Even if you're never going to watch this again, at least yeah. you're like, oh, okay, I can see that. Right. Uh, um, so I don't know if you want to talk about a few other movies. We'll finish off with a, a special one, or we could start with that. What do you guys um, think? Sure. You want to start with that? We'll talk yeah, about um, uh, one of the movies that came out this month was a, uh, a movie called Catch Fire, directed by Dennis Hopper. Starring Dennis Hopper and Jodie Foster, and uh, Joe Pesci ostensibly had a cameo role, but I, from what I've heard from somebody who's seen it, who happens to be on the podcast, it's yeah. expanded into a supporting role. Yeah, it's, um, and it's, Tristan has seen this. Off it. Uh, this I saw out of the blue one night because uh, it's on YouTube in its entirety, and I uh, I had heard about it from one of our friends Pat. He had he had, like watching of Russia films one day. And it's one of those cult films that kind of disappeared because uh, Dennis Hopper wanted his own cut that the studio was press pressuring him against. And uh, what was the other name? Backtrace? Yeah, Backtrack. Backtrack. So he wanted it to be called Backtrack. And then it, it was put into, I think, Showtime or something when it finally- It was HBO. HBO and, uh, and called Catch Fire. And they chopped it to bits. And it, it, it still makes sense, but it's not a, it doesn't make sense to begin with. It's kind of a weird film. Dennis Hopper was probably, you know, on his peyote or something. Right. Um, but it actually, it has Fred Ward as a detective. Oh, great. Uh, who, well, the, the initial thing is Jodie Foster is an accidental witness to a mob murder. And Joe Pesci is killing an informant or something. And she's, her car broke down on the highway. So she's trying to, cross past a fence to get to a gas station she sees over in the distance to get some help and she passes by this like back lot where this mob murder is happening so now she's taken in by fred warden he's like you gotta you will we'll protect you we'll put you into witness protection but her whole life will just fall apart she won't be able to do what she's been doing and so she's like i'd rather not like go with the cops uh, i don't think that'll protect me uh, especially as we find out, the cops are kind of corrupt anyway, so she would not have been protected. Uh, so she goes on the run herself and just erases her life. And uh, it was funny because that morning I had been looking into this, and so I kept like it kept popping up like how to 
make yourself invisible, she does everything that that article I read said not to do. One of the biggest things is like, you have to leave your life behind. If you were a graphic designer, you cannot now get a new graphic design job, even though you've moved say from New York to LA, like you'll get a little famous again and people will look for your same style. And that comes up because the mob hires Dennis Hopper to track her down. And he does very easily because she just does her old job in a new place. But then the movie takes a weird twist where when he's supposed to kill her, he falls in love with her inexplicably and then kidnaps her from her own murder and takes her on the run from his mob buddies and decides to leave the mob business behind and just be with her. And he kind of forces her to be with her, but then she likes that and gets a little bit of Stockholm Syndrome. And it's just the most uncomfortable film but it's really selling this make me want to see it. It's fascinating though. It's real interesting what he does with the cinematography and the dialogue. And if you like any of these actors, because besides the ones we've mentioned, Dennis Hopper, Fred Ward, and Jodie Foster, Joe Pesci is the, he's not the head of them all. It's actually Vincent Price. And Joe oh. Pesci is like, you just sold two. Yeah. Wait, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, it's like one How of could you Price. bury the lead? Well, <laughs> He's actually not in it as much. He has like two scenes because uh, Joe Pesci has to answer to him. One of Joe Pesci's thugs is John Turturro uh, in an er semi-early role. Uh, who else was in it? In Before he was under Devastator's testicles. <clears throat> um, it has an early cameo from, oh boy, I'm forgetting, uh, Catherine Keener. She pops up as a trucker that passes by Jodie Foster's place and asks for like directions. And for some reason, she decides to write a letter to her friend and give it to this trucker to mail for her. Nice. And so that trucker just like mails it right from next to her house. She's trying to get it to a different mailbox so it's not like planning her directly where she lives. And the trucker just like goes to the mailbox right there and fucks everything up. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's a, it's a fever dream of a film. And it's really fascinating to see like if you've ever heard about like Jodie Foster and Dennis Hopper, they have a real hatred for each other. So it's real uncomfortable watching them try to like have a romance. Uh, but if you're into like weird cult films, this is very interesting. I would not recommend it for our regular audience. So, Save for the um, After Dark audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something else that came out this month is a sequel to... Uh, I don't know how many people are familiar with uh, Ernest. Mm. Um, he did a lot of commercials in the 90s and I think late 80s. And then he got his own series of spinoff films. Um, Jim Varney plays him. Yeah. Um, this is Ernest Goes to Jail. Honestly, my favorite of the Ernest movies. Uh, a perfect background for Jeff right now. Uh, this is probably my favorite of the Ernest movies. He actually gets to play evil Ernest that's at one point and he switches places with the good Ernest to get outside and then the ending is just pure slapstick mayhem and if you like Jim Varney you'll love this movie I've never seen any Ernest films but I always liked Jim Varney why didn't we get to talk about this one <laughs> I know that would have <laughs> been the third I love that one oh well it's too you like okay. the movie Jeff 
I did. I love. I love that movie. I used yeah. to be. I was obsessed with the Ernest movies. Me too. Like yeah. I, I shed several tears when Jim Varney passed. It was. It was. He's a, the man is a national hero. There's even stuff in the Ernest movies that is almost like proto Robin Williams, where he'll just do a bunch of disguises and do impressions of famous actors or movie characters, like he does with James Cagney and some other people. And it's showcased in this a few times. Mm. I'm sure Jeff knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I recommend Ernest Goes to Jail. Uh, like Robin Williams mixed with Pee Wee Herman. Right. Yeah. Paul Rubens. Paul Rubens. Yes. And, um, uh, there was a uh, a movie called The First Power, which, again, with the trends. Uh, another movie about a serial killer put to death who's resurrected to yeah. haunt the detective who put him in jail. This one stars Lou Diamond Phillips. Very biodegradable, forgettable movie. Oh, well. Um, there's a Lawrence Kasdan movie called I Love You to Death, which, ironically, is based on a case in Allentown, Pennsylvania, where a... Hmm. A woman tried to have her philandering pizza parlor husband killed, but he was so resilient, he gets shot in the head, and he continues to survive inexplicably. This really happened in Allentown? Does yeah. he continue to make pizza after getting well, shot in the head? Oh, I met, so. <laughs> yeah, uh, actually, it's a, it's a fun movie. Does um, he still roam the streets? <laughs> yeah, actually, it has a, an early role for Keanu Reeves, plays one of the hitmen, along with William Hurt. Um, they look completely disheveled. They don't look like themselves. Uh, and the husband's actually played by Kevin Klein, who's been in a lot of Lawrence Kasdan movies, as we all know. I love Kevin Klein. Um, there's uh, The Gods Must Be Crazy 2, which I haven't seen the first one, but I know the first one's kind of a whimsical family film about this African tribesman who finds this Coke bottle and wants to bring it back to the gods at the, uh, the edge of the world. Uh, this one, weirdly enough, takes a weird right turn into uh, uncomfortable territory because this one revolves around the civil war in Angola and plays after laughs. Oh, boy. Yeah. Really? Uh, hmm. Didn't get as warm as a reception as the first one. What a surprise. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> there's a, uh, a medical drama called uh, Vital Signs, which is almost kind of like – uh, St. Elsewhere, only mm. it doesn't have that Tommy Westfall twist. At least that I know of. I haven't seen it. It had a bunch of good actors pop up in it, right? Right. Um, who is in that, by the way? Actually? Jimmy Smits. I, I have a list. Jimmy Smits, Laura San Giacomo, Pretty Woman, yeah. uh, Bradley Whitford, and Wallace Langham, who Corey and I appreciate because he was on a Larry Sanders show. Right. And um, 24 and some other things. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a movie called uh, Lisa which is a stalker thriller by uh, Gary Sherman, who's done a lot of uh, seedy, schlocky movies, such as uh, Vice Squad and Wanted Dead or Alive, the Rutger Hauer adaptation of the Steve McQueen show. And uh, I haven't seen anything about this, but the uh, the one main actress, I think, was in a TV show. I think it was Blossom. Is, she oh, from- is it um, the one from... Meacham? Meacham Mahan? Yeah, I forgot her name. I have a list of Diane Ladd. So. Oh, well, she's the mother. Okay. The plot basically revolves around uh, this woman is uh, looking to go out and start dating again, and her teenage daughter gets protective and starts um, following the one man that her husband's uh, her mom's been dating, and it turns out he's a stalker. 
I remember this from like Showtime in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, then there's also the Guardian, which is a William Friedkin return to horror, but it's about a demonic possessed druid tree. This was almost our poster boy for you, Jeff. Yeah. Oh. Um, it's a creepy tree, though. It's so. it's so fatuous and silly you can't take it seriously, but it has a lot of really good gore effects. I'll give it that. Um, like a good movie in the vein of the car. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Or the believers, or something like that. Yeah. Um, then you have Q and A, which is a Sidney Lumet police corruption drama. Like he's made a lot of those, and uh, it's uh, with Armando Sante, Nick Nolte at probably his sleaziest. Um, it's a really good movie, uh, underrated movie. I'd recommend that. Um, Chattahoochee, which is a, um, which is I, uh, oh. Mental Asylum drama starring Gary Oldman. It's a who, true uh, story too. Yeah, it's uh, he plays a Korean War vet who uh, fakes mental illness so that his wife Frances McDormand can get insurance. And Dennis Hopper happens to be in it as well. Hmm, so this is his third film in two months. Yeah, because he had that uh, Keith Sutherland uh, crime drama last month. Yeah, and then uh, the last movie for the month was a uh, Wild Orchid, which is a Mickey Rourke. Zalman King erotic drama. No, thank you. And if you if you want to see one of those, you're better off watching Nine and a Half Weeks with Mickey Rourke and Kim Basinger. Not this. I'll go one. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, well, uh, are you are you ready for uh, our uh, next segment, Jeff? Let's do it. Our favorite our favorite uh, portion. Of the podcast, we call this is it, what he looks forward to the most with these podcasts. I swear, this is my favorite part. I don't know about you guys. So, all right, here we go. You know, it's funny. I honestly forgot what we picked, but I I remember when we see it. There you go. Okay, yeah. Oh boy. So, if you'll describe this for the audio listeners, Jeff. Okay. Well. There's a red-backed poster. There's a red-haired woman in some sort of scantily-clad, black, witchy, lingerie-looking thing <laughs> standing next to a table full of apples, or a table with like a little little pillar with a bunch of apples. Uh, it says a delicious black comedy, a la Peter Greenway. Whatever that means. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and also the other quote is best film of the year, more perverse than Python, more dazzling than DeMille, more graphically daring than anything you're likely to see on the screen. Amazing. I have and there's no a little <laughs> my my favorite yeah. thing on the bottom though, due to the explicit nature of this film, no one under eighteen will be admitted. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a bit of a British film. So this is they have some more uh explicit directions than Americans ever get. Um <clears throat> You'll notice above the quote, a delicious black comedy, all Peter Greenway. Uh, I have two things blurred out. So there are quotes from this. Uh, so I will move forward with that. Okay. Oh, the other thing, I didn't even read the tagline, lust, murder, dessert. And here's the second tagline. Bon appetit. So what do you think this is about? 
I'm. I mean, it's Hungry for Apples, the movie, of course. Um, I'm thinking it's some sort of send up of the Snow White um, witch thing, where she tries to kill people with apples, or maybe puts, uh, you know, maybe she's she's the infamous person who's like putting the razor blades in the Halloween candy, you know. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I don't, it's got to do with the apples, it's got to do with food, it's going to be like, uh, I don't know, rotten to the core or something, I don't. Oh yeah, I, do you want to come up with a title? It genuinely seems like she's just this femme fatale who. I like how Jeff thinks that every title is a, a It <laughs> is, it is. It actually worked for Black Fury. It was the 90s, I mean, I, yeah. could you blame me? Yeah. But like. No, she's got to be some sort of femme fatale whose method of execution is usually food-related. Uh, All right, I'll let you stop flailing. Uh, okay. Title. Here you go. Oh, the title? Wait, no, 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 hang on. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't think you saw it. <laughs> I, I didn't see it. Um, because I, I didn't see it, and I saw only, like, two words, so, like, I have no idea, so. Red Delicious. <laughs> no. I'm really pressing on this. That would take up I'm, a lot of space on I'm there. I'm just, uh, wait, wait for it. Jenny Appleseed. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it to you. Okay, fine. Here we go. You're never going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> no. The thief, his wife, and her lover. The cook, the thief, his wife, and her lover. That is an annoying title. Uh huh. It is. It's that, unwieldy. That sounds like a folktale. So, what do you think this is about? I mean. Or actually, not. I mean, it's obviously, it's we know what it's about. It's about the cook, Sorry, the thief, his wife, like? and her lover. Yeah. What do you? What do you? Uh, what is this actually about, Corey? Okay, so this is about um, Michael Gambone before he was Dumbledore plays a uh, British gangster whose wife, Helen Mirren in the poster, is uh, having an affair with uh, her lover, and um, who actually is one of the underlings of Michael Gambone's gang. And so once he finds this out, the whole thing's shot in a very formless kind of stagey way. So it's like three sets that they go between. It almost could be like a theatrical production. Uh, when he finds out, Spoiler alert, he has him killed, and then they eat his remains. So it's some cannibalism. Oh, oh, okay. With a side of apples. That's <laughs> dark. That's what's under the red velvet curtain. Pork chops and applesauce. So the apples is almost kind of a red herring. Yeah. But you were kind of getting there because the food is uh, his cook or whatever. Okay. Yeah. And obviously it's sexy, so you were never going to get it. Not my best performance. Well... You were set up for failure. So system's uh, rigged, man. Uh do we have any uh picks of the month? Uh sure. I have a documentary that I watched that came out in ninety we'll talk about it later in the series. I think it came out in ninety four. Yeah, I think so. Uh Crumb. About Robert Crumb, the cartoonist behind Fritz the oh. Cat. Mm. And uh it's extraordinary. Uh, uh, very candid, brutally honest, um, mesmerizing. 
I would highly recommend. Don't, don't even read anything about it. Just going cold. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you have anything this much? Uh, <laughs> nah. Yeah. So I, 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 I was I was three years old. No, not for April 1990. For what you watched. Damn it, Jimmy. No, I was three years old. I regressed. No, he's, uh, he's got reverse progeria. Yeah. Uh, I didn't like other than, movie, other than the movies that I saw with you. That was it. Like yeah. we, we've been watching. Uh, we finished off the Clone Wars. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. That's a, that started, could be a pick of the uh, month. Star Wars Rebels. Mm-hmm. Um, like I had already seen most of uh, Clone Wars. I just hadn't seen the uh, latest, newest season that was released. So. We had to burn through the whole series for him to get caught up. Then we finally saw the last season, which was just like, the wait was worth it. Like, holy crap. Yeah, the stuff that came out back in April was some of the best of the show. Yeah. Because they finally had the time and energy and money to make what they wanted. Yeah, to top it off. And tie tie it in with the rest of the uh, everything. Canon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, And then we finally started uh, Star Wars Rebels. And, um, only four episodes. Only four episodes in, but like it's weird that like I think I've only seen a couple episodes a couple times, and then like the rest I either missed it or seen at least once. So like seeing the first season, I'm like I remember this, but I don't. It's weird, but like it's fun. Good. What was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good show. Nice. Uh. I jumped on the Shit's Creek bandwagon, so. Oh, nice. Yeah. We're into season two good. now. I hear, I hear it's rough to start. Yeah, I've heard the same thing. So many shows that are like that. Like, oh, you just got to get to season two. And it's like, I'd like it to be good right away. It's, yeah, like it's good. It's, it's good, but it's a slow burn. Like, yeah. that's that's really what it is. Because it's, it's very... Um, you know, it's like Arrested Development. It's basically the same, mm. same plot. Um, like rich family loses everything and has to start over. But the gag is that they bought a town called Chicks Creek just as a joke, and that's their oh, only okay. remaining asset. Mm. Ah. And so they're like living out of a hotel in this little town, and it's just like they're meeting all the other towny characters and trying to adjust and it's that that's where the comedy comes in but it's like it's it's from a uh so in the beginning like you they have to sort of come down from that up on high mentality before they can really like identify with everyone else enough to be uh yeah it's like a funny together where the whole first season was just oh you're not rich anymore right that's that's more or less got better later on because then she's like finally just a person yeah so they gotta be great together sctv reunion between the two of them they gotta be unbelievable together oh Catherine o'hara and eugene levy yeah that was always i always preferred that over snl to be honest with the sctv I, I didn't realize that that was uh dan levy was eugene levy's son yeah i didn't, I didn't realize know that, that either, either. Yeah. It's the eyebrows. So that's cool. Yeah. But yeah. he's successful too. He could have been Peter Gallagher's son. Those <laughs> eyebrows. 
I watched a couple episodes back when it first aired, and I wasn't sure about it, but it seems yeah. to on. It seems to get better as it goes. So it does. It's very. It's very Canadian. <laughs> um, but it's it's also twenty minute episode, so it's like a quick. It's easy to digest. Mm-hmm. You can just knock out a whole season and yeah. night. Oh boy. <laughs> Uh, so the film I've been holding on to for pick of the month is uh, a comedy from the year I was born in, uh, mm. starring a young Billy Crystal and a partner played by Gregory Hines. They're both comedy. Oh. It's called Running Scared. I love this movie. I finally saw it. Uh, I love it. And I had a date night and watched that. Um, I didn't know anything about this because Jimmy Smith is the villain. They're just like on a car with guns. I'm like, okay, they could be thieves or cops. It didn't really tell me anything. So I, I went into this completely cold. Have you ever heard of it? Nope. So they're in, what is it, Chicago? Yeah, Chicago. Chicago, yeah. Um, and they're just investigating crime. And they shake down Joe Pantoliano, which I love. Louis Pants. He has the craziest hair. And they discover sort of like a little bit of a ring that's uh, smuggling drugs up there. And it's headed by Jimmy Smith. So they're like, we got to take this guy down. But they're getting too close. And they got kind of like overstep their bounds. And so their uh, chief knocks him down a peg and is like, you got to take a week off and get the hell out of here. And suddenly it takes a left turn and they go on vacation to Miami. You know what's great about it? In most movies, <laughs> in most movies where they talk about retiring, it's like, this is the last thing I do before they retire. They actually go on retirement for a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's great. They like fall <laughs> so we get to like, see a whole montage. And open yeah. it and we're we get to see a whole like, montage of them down Miami, like drinking, yeah. fishing. It's great. Yeah, the best part is they come back from their vacation and Gregory Hines is wearing like, he had been wearing like a Cubs hat earlier in the film. And now he's wearing like a Dolphins jersey or something. <laughs> yeah, I forget exactly, but like it's like clear, like we're done now with Chicago. No, fuck, fuck the Bears. <laughs> so, um, but it's really good chemistry between the two. I'm yeah. very surprised because I I thought this was like in between some comedy stuff. Billy Crystal had done Soap, and then went to this and oh, wow. did all his other comedies. Like two years or three years later, he does One Hair and Miss Sally, and then a couple years after that is City Slickers and Mr. Saturday Night and all his other films. And, and right. he's like, he could have been an action comedy star more than a comedy star. Yeah. And this didn't pick this up. And there's always been rumors of a sequel. Gregory Hines has gone back and forth. Like White Nights is kind of an action drama. It's not too much action, but. Um, it's also directed by the perpetually underappreciated Peter Hines. Mm-hmm. Love Peter Hines. I actually would posit that 2010 is better than 2001. I know, I, yeah, I've heard you say that. Also because I like my shadow. So that's that's a different story. You also did The, uh, the Great Outland with uh, yes. Sean Connery. Yeah, yeah, I need to see Outland. Um, mm. So yeah, Peter Himes is very underrated, very good director. And yeah. uh, Running Scared, definitely recommend if you like Billy Crystal or Gregory Hines. And... Uh, the interesting thing about this was he's the one that gets the love interest. Typically, you'd have like the white guy get the love interest, but this is one of the first comedies that gives a black guy the love interest. Right. You know, um, I I read trivia about it a little bit. That's like one of the reasons he signed on, and Billy was all supportive of that. He's like, "Yeah, this is like something different. We gotta we gotta try out." There's um, a great car chase on the train tracks. Oh yeah, 
another another classic to add to my retinue of great car chases. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and Jimmy Smith plays a good villain, uh, which sets him up for when he's, he's the only back. disappointing part of the movie I found. I liked him. I thought he was fine. He's a little demure. Yeah, he ha- he hasn't given that much. Yeah. Joey Pants is a more interesting villain, but he's not in it the whole time. So, uh, but yeah, so those are our picks of the month. Uh, I know what we're doing next month. Oh, can I throw in a plug real quick? Yeah. Yeah. If anybody follows us on uh, Facebook or anything, I'm doing the 31 horror movies in 31 days reviews. If anybody's yeah, interested. Come from our website. Oh, our website also has the link to Facebook and Twitter. So if you yeah. follow either of those, it's just interjected. Uh, I think it's at interjected. It's at podcast ejections is the uh, Twitter. And I think you just look up interjections podcast on Facebook and you'll be able to follow us there. Right. And you'll get them every time he posts and anytime we post these podcasts. Yeah. Um, and next month we'll be finishing up a trilogy that is near and dear to Jeff's heart. So he'll be taking the lead on that one. Ghoulies? <laughs> Ghoulies. Uh, yeah. Is this the one where they go to college? <laughs> sure. So uh, thank you for tuning in with us this time we hope you uh take our recommendations to heart try out a a hidden gem that we might have found uh and if you were curious about what our thoughts on crybaby hopefully you enjoyed that as well so like subscribe comment share with your friends and thanks for thanks for listening (laughs) i'll listen to jimmy thanks guys got my teeth back